0: Oh, Turn up the volume nice and loud Cause we, we are controlling, controlling transmission <coughs> With dance beats and r and <laughs> Dawn Marie You're in the mix with Lil' Drummer Girl With your host, Dawn Marie In the mix,
1: in the mix Hey there, welcome to tonight's episode of Little Drummer Girl. It's Dawn Marie Mutel here, and today's guest is the ultimate guitarist, Larry Mitchell. Larry is a Grammy award-winning producer, engineer, and performer who has toured the world playing guitar with artists like Tracy Chapman, Billy Squire, Rico Kasich, and Miguel Bosé. Larry has released eight solo records and won a San Diego Music Award for Best Pop Jazz Artist. And he is currently touring and promoting his latest release, The Traveler. As a producer, Larry has won 26 New Mexico Music Awards in various categories from pop, adult contemporary, rap, rock, country, and Native American. Let's welcome Larry to the show. Hey, Larry, how's it going this evening? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for being here tonight. Yeah,
0: thank you. It's uh it's good to catch up, uh, after many years.
1: I know, and um, it was so great to see you perform here in, in Florida at at that wonderful venue there and it was just it was like a flashback. <laughs> it's been so many years since I had, it was so great to see you and the show
0: was awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for coming out. Yeah, I like coming down. That was in Dunedin since the first time maybe two years, almost three years ago. We've come down to Dunedin and and had a great time and just loved that area down in Clearwater and Tampa and stuff. So
1: i am like that you're here now so I can just like, you know, keep an eye out for you when you're in town. You gotta give me a hoot and let me know. To so, so tell me, Mary, how young were you when you first started playing guitar? Uh, playing guitar at
0: nine is when I first actually got a real got a real guitar and started playing. And that was after yeah. my mom threw my drum set out the window. <laughs> I play drums now, but couldn't do it. Oh, cool!
1: I did not know that.
0: Yeah, awesome. and a lot of records I produce, I play almost all the instruments. Oh wow! I
1: didn't realize that. So that is just awesome. Uh, so that did something inspire you to begin playing the drums. Let alone then to the guitar? You know, I don't know. I just.
0: I, I've never, actually, that's a good question. I've no one's ever asked me that question before. I, I never thought about it, but I think drums is just, as you're a kid, I must have seen someone play, hit a drum set before, and you kind of go, wow, that's cool. Uh, I, that, I do know that my mom had told me that I used to grab the broom for uh, um, whenever Elvis would come on the radio, and I would just drum the, you know, a broom. Ah.
1: There
0: you go. Yeah, but uh, drums, I just think that I must have seen somebody hit a drum set before. I can't remember who or where. Do you want to hit something like that?
1: <laughs> you want to do that. Okay.
0: She actually threw him out the window. <laughs> <laughs> she threw him out the window. didn't play. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I That's... TV. Don't hit those drums. I'm trying to watch TV. Okay. Hit the drum, drum. Hit the drum again. And she hit the drums one the more time, they're going out the window. And she didn't make idle threats. <laughs> I love it. That's
1: classic. <laughs> what was your first break in the
0: business? It depends on what level break. <laughs> gotcha.
1: Well, when you first started playing out, how old were you? 17, 19? I think. 16, 17. Oh, wow, you young. Yeah, yeah. So did you, like, throw a band around town and I, and then...
0: I played with uh, guys that a, was the high school with. There was a band called The Cheats back then, and uh, their guitar player, I his his name's Ricky for some reason he couldn't mm, do some shows so they asked me to learn some of the songs and, and try and play them and I remember it was the romantics what I like about you was that the romantics? Oh
1: yeah that was yeah. romantic yeah. yeah
0: and I can't remember else so it was like just, I remember that then I was in a band in, on Long Island called Caria that was playing Rush cover tunes and then I convinced I convinced them well, we should just do trio bands because you know if you play 40 Rush tunes only guys come see you play
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: so I was doing Police and Zebra and trying as well as Rush. I like Rush, but 40 Rush tunes is pretty much ensures that mostly guys come to you play. You know, around that, too, little bands, Something that, are different things. I just can't remember all that.
1: So how long were you in the business before you got your,
0: your big break? I'm still not sure what the big break is.
1: Well, I mean, you've become the, the accolades you have. I mean, to, to play with all of these big cats and these big names and to produce and, and to win these... Awards and something must have. There must have been a transition that went from I'm playing with a local band, and then all of a sudden here I am. You know, in the music business with a with a label, backers, things like that. I don't. I don't
0: know if there's a real overnight success thing. I've been playing for a long time. All the things you mentioned happened over time. Um, right, but
1: was there something that kind of just there was that one? You met that one person that got you a gig that got you the next gig to get you to the next level of playing? Yeah.
0: See, I was playing around Manhattan all the time. I was playing a. Band- called Rhythm Team and then I started playing with lots of different people in fact and didn't realize until later on I was playing with nine different bands at the same time
1: <laughs> there you go okay so that's what um, I'm that's what I'm thinking about there had to be some something that just all of a sudden boom you're there well, yeah. it didn't seem like all of a sudden, it's like, you know, you play with a bunch oh, of
0: for three or four years, and then and then uh, Carmine Rojas was looking for a guitar player. To oh, tour Carmine, okay, then. cool. Yeah, Carmine, he was looking for a guitar player to play, do a Miguel Bosé tour in Spain and Italy. I didn't know Carmine, he didn't know me, but everybody else seemed to be already in the road. All the people that he knew seemed to be already in the road. What well, I believe, and I see Carmine a couple of times a year, I run into him. What I believe happened was he went to all the clubs, like a China club, Nirvana, and all the clubs that he used to go to, and would ask about who's in town, what guitar players, what bass players. because he was—he wasn't playing it to but he was putting together the band. And I believe he said that my name came up in the first three names at every club that he mentioned.
1: Wow, that's um, awesome!
0: So, so then he contacted me, and which was funny, is because my, my grandmother talked with him, and my grandmother was famous for not giving me messages.
1: <laughs> I remember those
0: days. Just so they don't understand. You didn't have your own personal cell phone. You might have had a beepers. Then you had to find like a, a working phone or something like that. That's yeah.
1: right. In New York City, I was tough those days. <laughs>
0: oh, yeah. yeah, Carmine finally, he persisted and called and I did that tour and I came back from that tour and played around New York City a little bit more and put together my band and I got a record deal in 1990. And, um, oh, and before that, I had, I had heard about an audition for Billy Squire and I auditioned for Billy, I had a great time with the band, but I did not get picked 40 gigs. Um, but in 1990, uh, they were auditioning cheap guitar players again And I happened to run into Those guys at the China Club Just Yes Strolled in the China Club so the whole guy You know Billy And the rest of the band there. I was like Wait you guys live At far ends of the corners Of the earth From each other What are you all doing In one spot I Told me they were there Looking for guitar players And stuff like that I wished them well And before I could get up Billy said What are you doing You're coming on a road with us And I was like Oh okay Nice right. um, I just had Alan uh, On the show the Oh nice. day. Yeah
1: it was great To catch up with him It's been a while but, you, you got into producing how did you do the core color? I had worked with a couple of singers, songwriters in the
0: mid-90s, and then been on four different labels, or by then maybe five different labels, and was not happy with the way things were going, so I had decided that I could, well, before I decided I could do it on my own, uh, a friend of mine said I needed to make a new record. Like, yeah, I could budget to make a record, and people aren't making records on their own, back then. And he had gear in his basement. He goes, you can use the keys to my house. You can use it. So wow. I went down there. I made phone calls. Some amazing people stopped and helped me. Stopped what they were doing and helped me figure out how to use the gear. And so I made two records. One was awful that never got released. And the other one was my acoustic record, which has is, uh, is been extremely well received. And, um, and that was by accident. Totally by accident. But uh, when that record came out and I was doing well with it, I had decided I could do stuff on my own and I wasn't going to find another record deal back then. Um, and of course, the record industry is very different now. But uh, later, a few years later, I had moved to San Diego, California, and I bought, some, bought recording gear, and I was working on another record. That I had met some singer-songwriters in San Diego that wanted help with a song here and there, so I would do that. And then a year later, I'm still working on my record, and they were coming back going, well, they really liked the song I did, and they had worked with other people. To finish their record, and they weren't happy, so they wanted me to finish the record. So before I could finish my record, I found myself working on other people in San Diego's records. And uh, oh, wow. before I knew it, I was uh, you know I was producing uh, a few records, quite a few records. And then I moved to Brooklyn for a year to work with my friends, uh, the Berman Brothers and Jeff Copeland. And um, where I wasn't doing so much production, I was working with them. They were producers. I guess I did some stuff, but under their guides And um, after a year and a half uh, of being in the pop world I decided to want to go back to just regular singer songwriter. The artist that I had produced, my name was Eileen Meyer, she was ready to do her second record and by then she had moved to Santa Fe, New Mexico, so she said uh, she wanted to do on the record, couldn't move to to Brooklyn to work on it with me there and I said, Well, I'm kinda tired of being here so I can come to Santa Fe. I was supposed to get this I was supposed to fly to Santa Fe on September eleventh, two thousand one. Took me two weeks to get out of New York and when I got there Uh, I didn't want to leave, so I was in New Mexico. Yeah, I was in New Mexico for uh, ten years. Oh wow, for long time. Yeah, produced some cool records there, and that definitely solidified me as a producer, being in that, being in New Mexico, (laughs) Mexico.
1: That's astounding. I mean, it's, it's really great to know that you can get, as you say, a lot of bang for your buck. But, you know, here you are starting out as a, as a guitarist and playing guitar and making live and doing that. And then to make transition to also have another skill added to the you know, repertoire is a beautiful thing. Yeah, thank you. Like it's, it's so important to be multi-talented these days because, you know, if you can't find work in this arena, maybe you can find work in that arena. So yeah. you have to be able to juggle and really put your toes into a bunch of different areas just to see, you know what you could at because sometimes you don't know until you try it and then you're like oh wow look at that, <laughs> that
0: yeah, you know? I actually believe that you have to be able to do lots of different things because like you said I've definitely had times where people are calling me as a sideman and then they stop and then I mean, there are festivals and shows that want me as an artist and then they stop and then production times and I've been an engineer spoken at college I taught at a college for, for a year taught, taught recording techniques college side effect you have to just roll with it and do lots of different things and it's fun it makes it balance this key thing I've been working on balance probably about the last 7-8 years which is like I want to do I don't want to do too much of just my thing as an artist because that's stressful I don't want to do too much as a side person because uh, I enjoy that but I, I want to do some of the songs I write and play. Um, I like producing records, but I don't. I like working with artists I really enjoy, and no one's got budgets. From, you know, people aren't a lot of. They don't have big budgets for records these days, something like that. So I might as well take my time and pick the artists that I want to work with. At least make sure they're nice people. <laughs> That's <laughs> and, uh, phenomenal. That's so important. Yeah, you just want to do different things and stuff like that but a balance of it not too much of anyone
1: so speaking of new things here I mean you have a new release of your album called The Traveler can you tell yeah. us a little bit about that The Traveler I went back to the last record
0: uh, has lots, quite a few players on it the record before that Sonic Temple has no extra players on it it's just kind of all me so this one goes back to that there is one other player Dawn Avery she's a cellist a Native American Mohawk descent cellist that I produced several records for and and I love the cello I had played keyboard strings and programmed keyboard strings and I was talking to her she goes well send me the tracks I'd love to play you know playing it so she doubled some stuff she added different things here and there so she's the only other person on the record I'm totally digging it not just because it's my newest record I just really dig it it's got songs it's got at least four songs I've been playing live with my trio for the last two years I had done a streaming only EP uh, of four songs so there are different versions of those songs to you from a year and a half ago uh,
1: okay
0: thank you yeah uh, you get to so some of them are slightly different tempo. I think I got it together on this this version of the record. And, and then there are a couple of songs. There's a song that's kind of in the Peter Gabriel's vibe. I oh, know. It's just a it's, a, it's a cool record. It's, it's not a full-on blues rock record. Or like, There are songs on this record that in order for me to do live, I would have to have the keyboard player and something like that. So when I play in different areas of the country, I have a keyboard player. Like when I go to Italy, there's a keyboard player going to play on me. So I can do some of those songs with Lush Pads. And it's just a bit more mellow and kind of groovy thing.
1: Well, I tell you, your show the other night it was so much fun watching you play. And I love the way you play when you, you play with one hand. And that just really impressive. And I I'm was just like, i <laughs> I've been playing with
0: one hand for many, many years. But I didn't. It's progressed over the years. There is a song where I could probably play, could probably play the almost the entire song with one hand. I'm wow. And I don't know, how to play. <laughs> it's just progressed over the years. I probably did it in the very, very beginning for performance value kind of thing Um, but uh, then I started doing it for sound because it's different different attack when you pick it and when you not pick and I've done it because I've played stuff and I'm working like when I record and I'm by myself, so I'm doing one <laughs> turning knobs, the other hand playing the parts and stuff.
1: So. I love it. You're
0: multitasking. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's
1: great. It looks, it looks phenomenal, you know, and you're watching it and it sounds amazing, so I'm just like, wow, that's really cool. Brush it, brush it. it definitely is and I, and I think it's probably one of your trademarks. Okay, cool. What would you say was maybe one of your like biggest challenges or roadblocks that you might have faced while you were in this business called music. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, interesting question.
0: Well, the things are changing. The music business is changing daily. But I'd say that more so in the old days, people would judge you strictly by appearance before they even listen to your music. It used to be a quicker thing. Like if you let status quo or the, if you let the the so-called <laughs> music business norm get to you, then you might be then you're doing yourself a disservice. Because uh, I remember I had turned thirty. Who I thought was a friend of mine that started working at a big major label, and he called me up and said, "Hey, what are you doing now?" And I said, "Well, I'm trying to figure out. I do a new record. I'm trying to do this, do that." He said, do not you come in and uh, play me some of your demos?" So I went to his office, I played some demos, and then he proceeded to tell me how I was getting older, <laughs> and I'm like, "Well, wow. I did different things, and uh, really, I played too to perfect, and I should try and play the type of music that was going on that time, at the time, which." Uh, which was like... Grunts or something. Yeah, yeah. They yeah. yeah, yeah. get <laughs> <Yeah, yeah. laughs> a little bit less out of in tune and all this stuff. And I was listening to what are you talking about? <laughs> and, wow! <laughs> uh, it seemed. I see it first, but then I was like, you know, wow, thirty. I'm over the hill. Okay. Whatever. <laughs> so I, I think that's the, I think I mean that's the, obviously it exists if you're trying to become a pop artist, country pop artist, rap artist, whatever. Those seem to be two things making money these days. But the world is very different. So you can be a 65 year old artist. You make art that people want to hear. All you have to do is find your audience. They're out there. And they're easier than ever to find, and easier than ever to ever uh, get to, and get them your music.
1: I love that. So when I'm touching on that point right there, like, what's your favorite social platform? Do you use social media?
0: Yeah, I've been I've been using Facebook well. I try to use Twitter. <laughs> I'm not great at it. I try and use Twitter. Fortunately, there's quite a few people that will take what I put on Facebook sometimes and and, uh, we, and put that on Twitter. I guess I should be doing that. More, but I haven't done it. And YouTube, YouTube's amazing. I mean, if YouTube was around when I was going to high school, I don't know if I would have graduated. <laughs>
1: so Lost in that. I mean, go on just to look on YouTube for ten minutes.
0: I hear you on that. Yeah, I've been. I was doing a side man gig once, and I was in San Diego, and we just just finished soundchecking the the singer. Turn he goes, Do you know Fragile by Sting? I'm like, No. <laughs> okay, and I said, All right, hold on a second. So I took my iPhone out and Google how to play Fragile by Sting, and uh, eight things came up right away on YouTube and I learned how to play
1: it. Isn't it amazing? It's just yeah, it really wow. is. It's, <laughs> I don't know if I really would have left the house back then, you know. <laughs> you have a really good point there. I mean I'm I'm blown away yeah. by how far we've come with technology. And I think about uh, say to myself, gosh, it's the same thing. If we had this what I like, 25, 30 years ago yeah. I would be like it's you know, sitting really nice right now. <laughs> well, you that that would be really exactly. nice. That's <laughs> true. But I think uh, I would have had a totally different life. <laughs> not that I'm complaining. I'm not complaining. It just took me a lot longer to get to where I wanted to go. Have you ever had any embarrassing moments on stage? Hmm. I had my one moment of,
0: of uh, stage fright on, on the Miguel Bovete tour where uh, they kept teasing me because I was running around the stage like crazy. They said, aren't you... Uh... Well, nervous. You never did tour this big before. We did. We did a, a ninety thousand person show. Holy uh, moly! In <laughs> Spain, there were like 180,000 and forty thousand people <laughs> at shows, and uh, we were playing in Madrid, and they were recording it. Uh, it's actually that show is actually on YouTube too. What's it called? It's <laughs> Miguel Bosé live. I'll, I'll send you a link. Uh, I can't remember what it's called, but it's Miguel Bosé Live in Madrid. But the beginning chart. So we went to Italy and we rehearsed for, I think, a month and a half. We learned a bunch of songs. There's three Americans, Warren McRae, Alan Child, and myself. And then everybody else was either Italian or a or Spanish And we learned the songs. In Italian Not that we spoke Italian But the set list was in Italian And they'd say the name of the song And we You know After a while You'd know what it was Get to the first venue in Spain The Plaza de Toros Bullfighting ring And Wonderful in, in Madrid Get on stage Look down Now we didn't play The exact same set every night There were You know A couple of different different Start possible Stuff like that A couple of choices Get on stage Everybody's going to go crazy and Wait for Miguel to come on I look down And I don't recognize a song in the set No way I go, Warren, what's the first song? He goes, it's, uh, I don't know. <laughs> Alan, what's the first song? Alan's like, I don't know. So we call the, uh, the Italian musical director, and, he, and we're asking what the song He tells us in Spanish. Goes, yeah, that doesn't help. Tell us Italian. <laughs> He's <it's> like, what? <laughs> so we go through that, do the first song, second song. Now, there are, there are cues. Like, a lot if you work out a show, you'll see, like, the artist, maybe the band will do, or the artist will do three songs, and then they stop and talk to the audience. And it could be anything, but there might right. be a word that means they're done and get ready to start the next song. And a lot of people, people could been doing that for shows all the time. So, like You can talk about anything, but then you got to wrap it up with something that says, blah, 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 cue for the next song. So I remember he's speaking in Spanish, and I have no idea what he's saying. <laughs> so he's talking to the audience, and I'm going... I still don't know what the next song is, and as I as I look up, there's a camera guy in front of me. There's seven cameras on stage. I oh no! Camera guy in front of me, and then I look to the left. There's a camera guy. The camera guy walking towards me, and then I look to the right, and I can see from a distance is the camera man going. I definitely start this next song. I just have no
1: idea what it is. <laughs> oh, <no. That's> too <laughs> much. I, just I, just much. Like I just think out. It's right.
0: There is my, my moment of this, right? And Miguel, obviously, said, during that time, I forget what's going on. Miguel obviously says the magic word in a language I did not understand. And uh, I have no idea what the first song is. And they're looking at me going, yeah. <laughs> no, no I have no idea. I want to cringe so, <laughs> would so, I think Enzo realized what was going on and uh, either started or told me what was
1: going on. So, that's, oh. that's, that's a great story. <laughs> so... So tell me, Larry, are you ready for the 11-stroke roll rapid-fire interview? The what? <laughs> the 11-stroke roll rapid-fire interview. I ask you 11 questions. Okay. Second, quick question. Okay. Right. Your favorite guitar? Uh,
0: my new Nag Severin, Severin guitar, made in America, made in Maryland. Love it. Your favorite food? Uh, oh, I'm not a big food person. Toss-up between bacon and sorbet. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Your favorite band? Ah, uh, That's a tough one. I am a huge U2 fan and a huge Prince fan. You mean band, not artist, not solo artist. Yeah,
1: it's course, uh, either
0: one. I gotta say the most influenced, the most, uh, when I go to, artists I go to in tough times, it's gotta be Prince. Cool. Oh, your favorite song? Hmm. Wow. It's toss up between purple rain and sometimes It snow's in April. Prince, both of Prince. And your favorite travel spot? I love Salzburg, Austria. Oh, pretty. And your favorite person to hang out with? Oh, uh, that would get me in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of friends. I don't know if I a <laughs> peace zone, tranquil spot. It used to be, when I lived in San Diego, California, it used to be the uh, self-realization garden. You don't have to be a member there, but they open it every day. I think it's a Monday you can just kind of go there and meditate and chill and right by this right on the ocean. Um, oh, this Lately, I've been bike riding, uh, When only when I've been home. Although I did ride when I was in Venice, uh, uh, Venice Beach, California. Um, but I have a bike, and I try and get up 7, 8 o'clock when I'm home and ride before it gets way too hot. And I just discovered through a friend, um, Robert Trent, golf trail and right behind my house is basically the the uh, Grand National and it's beautiful uh,
1: that was beautiful
0: yeah, yeah it's just very
1: cool so. car or motorcycle I've been dine in or take out oh cool oh, those are
0: fun yeah I love my car uh, <laughs> I am probably more a take out and eat it at home on the couch watching TV or while I'm working cool your favorite tour tour that I've done yes Mm. Wow. Uh if it's not my own, um it's a toss up The Tracy's Tracy Chapman tour in ninety two was really great. It's almost what I expected, but not yeah, I mean you can't expect everything but it's not what I expected. The Billy Squire tour was a full on rock and roll tour. Like almost anything you can think of like a rock and roll tour would be <laughs> was on that tour i mean we, <laughs> we shared a, we shared a hotel with alice cooper's band say no more <laughs> yeah
1: you know greg smith
0: no i don't uh greg smith's bass player from long island he played bass back then with alice cooper so it was great to see him on the road oh, wow. <laughs> uh, we both played a festival we played a blues festival and i remember alice cooper walking in and going do these people know what i do
1: because <laughs> he was I love that. that. Yeah, that's just doesn't seem like the place for him to be.: <laughs> Yeah,
0: it was just. No, I mean, he did the full-on Al Cooper show, too. Uh, he
1: did. How did that go over with the crowd? Oh, they loved it. It was cool. Oh, so cool. Uh,
0: <laughs> but on, like I said, on the Billy Quiet tour, I mean we played we played the Raceway in, in Oklahoma, with 20,000 people. It was full-on rock and roll craziness. It was great though. Uh, and yeah, so also, w- at the beginning of that tour, I, um, I had done a record with Rick Okasik and was supposed to go out on, the, on a big tour with Rick, which didn't, the big tour didn't happen. Um, we just did, like, promotional stuff. And uh, so I asked Rick and his manager, I said, hey, Billy Squire wants me to do this tour. It's only six weeks, which turned into six months. Um, oh, wow! <laughs> go, and so I said, "Do you mind if I go out?" Well, you know, yeah, yeah, sure. We're not going to go out. And, you know, we got plenty of time. I think it was right before the first show when they called and said, "Hey, we want to do a video for this song Rock Away that you played a solo in that you played on. Uh, Can you come back for that?" And I was like, "Uh oh!" <laughs> oh wow! So, and yeah, what did you do? Um, uh, I had talked to Billy, and he was not happy about it, but he was. He's was like, "Go ahead, do it. Just don't miss any shows." So, but wait, so this is actually, this is, yeah, this choir tour had to be my favorite tour because this is my two weeks of of living like a rock star. (laughs) And I mean living like a rock star, not being a rock star, but living like a rock star. (laughs) Because before, when we we were working that out, they also said, we're going to, there's a, now a show with Rick Akashic and Montauk for for the Billy Joel, Paul Simon, Lighthouse benefit. Oh, wow. And can you do it? I'm like, ah. so for, all right. So everything lined up perfectly. The day they were shooting the video, uh, we had the day. We had two days in a row off. The day that we played the Lighthouse House Benefit, um, I think was originally. I want to say it was originally the day we were supposed to play the Meadowlands with Bon Jovi and a bunch of people. But we ended up not doing that so we ended so they, they never filled that date. So we had a Saturday off <laughs> on wow. tour, which was really that's sad. a rarity. And <laughs> the next day, because again they had routed the tour to go through the Meadowlands, the next day uh, Billy Billy Squire was supposed to be playing over to Hampton. Oh, that was I was at that show, yeah. That was a show. And uh, you were at the Squire show? I was. Oh wow. Okay. Um, so basically we had a show someplace I can't remember and then we had the Saturday off, and I played with uh, Rick at the in Montauk. And the next day was the Hamptons who Billy Squire. But what, when I say the, the two weeks of living like a rock star, I had to rehearse with Rick Ocasek for that. So oh, for wow. two weeks, they worked it out. So for two weeks, any time that the Squire band had a day off, I would stay in that city. And at 6 in the morning or so, a car would pick me up and take me to the airport. I would fly to <laughs> New York. <laughs> A car would pick me up and take me to SIR. I would rehearse with Rick, <laughs> and then that oh was the man. car would take me home. The next day, the car would pick me up and take me back to the airport, and I'd fly and meet the Squire, wherever they were. And I would do sound check and the gig. I did this for two weeks, and wow, talking about burnout. Yeah, I can't. I forget. I was. I had no sleep too. I forget what airline it was, but it was. I kept flying in and out and it was and we were on we were definitely on the east coast, so I think we that might have been like uh the Caroliners and I don't yeah, I can't even remember. I wish I just found the tour book too. I should look at that. <laughs> but, uh, but I would run into some of the same flight attendants and they'd be like, So what do you do? Because I didn't have to bring it to gear, either. I had to oh, the that's guitar, and I remember someone leaning up and go, Who do you play guitar with? And I said, What day is it? <laughs> <laughs> was I coming to New York or coming from New York and they were looking at me like I was nuts and I said well if I'm leaving New York I'm, I'm playing with Billy Squire tonight if I'm coming in New York I'm rehearsing with Rick Ocasek and the was that, you know, thought I was nuts and then the final day I flew into New York and I refused to do the, the flight the helicopter which would have got me at Montauk really easy but very quickly yes yeah. my thin girlfriend <laughs> Diane Russo was in the car and then we end up at Montauk and I'm playing on stage with Rick Ocasek playing some cartoons, and on one side of stage is Paulina Porstakova, supermodel number one, <laughs> videotaping.
1: <laughs> on the other
0: side of stage was Christy Brinkley, supermodel number two. <laughs> I love it. I could definitely deal with this. This is a different kind of lifestyle. <laughs> and then the next day I played with Billy, and uh, and that was all back to normal. And I was like, I felt so wow. I'm not flying anywhere. That's a great story. I love it. That was that was an interesting time. Only really my favorite. There's all kinds of crazy stuff happening. Like I said, Tracy's story was great, but kind of normal. <laughs> <laughs> it was great. <laughs> as normal as normal could be. What would you say is your biggest pet peeve? Pet peeve. I don't know, could be that like a lot of times when arranging shows, like I just did a show, I won't say where it was, but I had never played Bob the New Club at big, and uh, when we booked the show, they contacted me, and then at some point in the negotiation, they said, oh, the owner doesn't think it's gonna work, but they contacted me to do the show, because the person that had booked the show had seen me play, and it was a, a great show that they saw, was, I mean, a great show, as in the response and the amount of people it was just tremendous, and then they came back and said, the owner doesn't think it's gonna work, to do sets of all instrumental music, Remember, and I was like, okay, so you don't really, you don't really want me to do the show? I said, no, 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 we want you to do the show. We just like you to have a singer, a part of the show. <laughs>
1: And I was like, oh. what?
0: And so, they, so I said, well, you know, I can bring a singer and a singer that I use at the show that they saw me. So they agreed to pay uh, extra money to fly this singer in because they didn't think that it was going to work. But meanwhile, they wanted me to do my normal show, which seemed really busy. That's twisted. And yeah. I and mean, we did the show, it was, really, it was a really great time. And I, I'm glad we brought my friend out because it just worked, worked out really nicely at the show. But after talking with them, it totally would have worked if it was just my normal instrumental show. Absolutely would have worked. And they, they realized
1: and uh, said, I'm kind of nervy to ask you want to do that if, you know, you're asking for one thing and then you go, oh, by the way, let's just change the yeah. show. <laughs> yeah. I was
0: actually ready to not do <laughs> it. Like... Well, well, what we did was we brought my friend now, John Kurzweil. He's a. oh, well, you saw John. You, you oh, saw I John. saw John. That was yeah. awesome. Yeah, yeah. So basically what we did was we did my show and then in the middle of it, I did, I broke it down to acoustic and then I handed, the, handed the, that position over to John he played one of his songs or a couple of his songs and then we played a couple of his songs electric and then we continued from there. But, um, so it was fun. Uh, but but it totally would have worked the normal